0: Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon.
1: Judah had been in captivity for 70 years, and many of the exiles, including Zechariah, had never even seen their home country of Judah. All they had known was the bondage of Babylon. But God was going to restore his people to Jerusalem, but they also had a responsibility. And it was Zechariah's job to prophesy to these people to rebuild the temple. And so Zechariah had another vision in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 1. Then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, where are you going? He answered, to measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. Then the angel who was speaking to me left, and another angel came to meet him and said to him, run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and livestock in it, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Zechariah looked up and saw a man with a measuring line in his hand what we would liken it to today is a measuring tape, if we all have seen one of these, right? And some of us are not trusted with them, like myself. (laughs) But uh, I look at this tape measure, it has certainly been used, and there's a lot of use to it. A Stanley PowerLock 2, but I love what's engraved in it. Etched in there is K. Lair, which is my dad. So what a legacy to pass on his tape measure to me, and I will pass it on as well. And so I want you to know that if you are using a tape measure, it usually means you're building or constructing something. And if you happen to see me with a measuring tape, lock the door. <laughs> but if you see Jesus with a tape measure, it means he's here to work on your life. I don't know, there's just there's something manly about wearing a tape measure, even if you don't use it. Right? You feel, good. you feel manly just having it there. But if Jesus has it, get ready. According to the Life Application Bible, the man with the measuring line symbolizes the hope of a rebuilt Jerusalem and a restored people. The man would be measuring to mark out the boundaries for a foundation, and so. Israel would be restored, Jerusalem would be restored, and it had been prophesied for years. And first, it was prophesied by Ezekiel. He was one of those captives. He's preached to the exiles in Babylon. And Ezekiel, as a priest and a prophet, said these same, similar words. In visions of God, he took me to the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain, on whose south side were some buildings that looked like a city, He took me there and I saw a man whose appearance was like bronze. He was standing in the gateway with a linen cord and a measuring rod in his hand. So who is this man with the measuring line? Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary states this, The man with the measuring line is Messiah, who by measuring Jerusalem is denoted as the author of its coming restoration. Thus the Jews are encouraged in Zechariah's time to proceed with the building still more so shall they be hereby encouraged in the future restoration and so this vision of a man is the messiah as most bible scholars believe and the measuring line in his hand represents a coming restoration you see when israel and judah had been destroyed not only was the walls torn down of jerusalem but the temple was destroyed their place of worship And so now it had been 70 years and God was promising a restoration that they would be restored. And so the measuring line symbolizes repair, rebuilding and renovation. And the Lord measured out the restoration of Jerusalem. He was measuring out this promise. And in the same way, number one, my first point is this. The Lord will measure out our restoration. God is still working on us. Don't get discouraged. God is still working on you. Yes, there are areas that are broken. There are places of your life that have fallen down. There are things that you have been through that you're still recovering from. But know this, your God is working on you. He's working on your life and he's working on the people around you. You don't have to work on other people. How many of you know we need to just work on ourselves? We're not made to, you know, work on other people. We're not the creator. And if we happen to work on somebody, we just create Frankensteins, right? Bolts in the neck and everything. It's bad. We're to work on ourselves. And even that is not possible without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so whenever you see a tape measure from this day forward, I hope you'll remember God is working on you. And he's rebuilding. He's restoring. Don't you you love God's heart? Judah had sinned for for centuries, centuries. God had waited all that time patiently, sending prophets, they'd kill the prophets. And God was trying to reach them and finally there was no other recourse but they had to go into captivity. But even that wasn't permanent. God didn't destroy them. He gave them a promise that they could come back and it would even be better than before. And so please be encouraged by this today. God is working on you. And he is going to bring some home improvements to your heart that we need. And the temple in the city of Jerusalem would be rebuilt before Jesus came the first time. And before Jesus comes the second time, he is rebuilding our temple. Now we know that the Bible teaches in the New Testament that God no longer inhabits a building made by human hands, but he inhabits a people. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Listen to me. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that is sacred. And when we come together like this, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit corporately. And wherever you go individually, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you take the Holy Spirit with you. Be aware of that. You are a priest wherever you go. You are a mediator for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you are the temple. That is a sacred thing. And I want you to see that as as a potential for blessing. That wherever you go, you go into the grocery store Wherever you go, you go to the driving range. I don't know why that came to me. But wherever you may go, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you bring the Spirit. There may be a darkness there. There may be an evil there. But you bring in the light. Because you're the temple. And that's sacred. Understand that. In spite of your failings. In spite of your mistakes. In spite of your weaknesses. The Holy Spirit fills you. And he will work on you. Because there's all, all of us have areas of our life that are broken down, that need to be rebuilt. There, our hearts have been bruised and broken by other people. Our souls have been wounded and weakened by the troubles of life. We need restoration. We need repair. We need rejuvenation. And we have this promise in Amos chapter 9, verse 11. In that day, I will restore David's fallen tent. I will repair its broken places, restore its ruins, and build it as it used to be. Amos prophesied before Israel even fell to the Assyrians. And long before Judah fell to the Babylonians. And even way back then, God was already promising restoration. David's tent represents the tabernacle of David. As most of you know, The tabernacle was built in the wilderness during their wandering for 40 years. And when they came into the promised land, it was set up in Gibeon and also in Zion. And it was called David's Tabernacle or David's Tent. But even that was certainly destroyed in their captivity. And the Tabernacle of David was a precursor to the temple Solomon would build. Now, David wanted to build the temple. This is fascinating. It's not in my notes, so I'm, I'm a little scared at where I'm going. I don't know if I can get my way back. But David wanted to build the temple for the Lord and God said, no, because you're a man of blood. You have blood on your hands. Your son will build the temple. And so David wanted to build that temple, but there was too much in his life. He had committed murder. He had committed adultery. The Lord said, David, there's blood on your hands. You're forgiven, but you can't build the temple. We have this promise. God will restore what has fallen down. He will repair our broken places if we'll let him. He will restore the ruins in our life, and he will build us as we were meant to be. That's why the Bible says we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And God does the work through us. The rebuilding of the old Jerusalem foreshadows the construction of the new Jerusalem. There's going to be a new Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem had been conquered more than once. At the end of time, there will be a final Jerusalem. Look at Revelation 21 verse 1. I want you to take hope from this passage. Whenever I conduct a funeral, I often read this scripture and it blesses me every time and it gives me hope of what heaven is like. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Amen? Every tear from their eyes. Listen to this. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Amen. That is something we should look forward to. No more tears. No more sorrow. No more death. No more sickness. No more disease, no more pain. I long for that day, don't you? You know, it's okay to long for heaven. Just don't try to force yourself. But it, it's to, we, we trust in the Lord because heaven is our home. It's something that we long for and look forward to. There will be a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem for everyone who believes. The Lord said someday Jerusalem would be a city without walls because of the great number of who would inhabit it. There would be no need for walls due to its expansiveness and its divine protection. Again, in Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary, it declares this. So many shall be its inhabitants that all could not be contained within the walls, but shall spread out in the open country around. And so secure shall they be as not to need the shelter themselves and their cattle behind walls. So hereafter, Judea is to be the land of unwalled villages. The same is true for us. We will no longer need walls. You see, a nation felt secure behind their walls. The the higher the walls, the, the wider the walls, they felt they were safe. That was their protection in ancient times. In ancient China... The people desired security from the barbaric invading hordes to the north. To get this protection, they built the Great Wall of China. It's 30 feet high, 18 feet thick, and more than 1,500 miles long. I've heard it said it can be seen from the space station. I don't know if that's true. I've never been there. The Chinese goal was to build an absolutely impenetrable defense, too high to climb over, too thick to break down, and too long to go around. But during the first hundred years of the wall's existence, China was successfully invaded three times. During all three invasions, the barbaric hordes never climbed over the wall. They never broke it down. They did not go around it. They simply bribed the gatekeeper and marched right through the open door. That's all it took. Walls don't always work. No matter how high we build them, no, know how strong we make them, no matter how long they are, walls don't always work. And sometimes the people of Israel had more faith in their walls than in their God. Emotionally speaking, we all build walls to try and protect ourselves from others and from the challenges of life. Unfortunately, we have greater trust in our walls than in the Lord. You know, the Lord wants to bless us. But our walls keep us from expanding and stretching out an open country and receiving all He has for us. Our walls keep us from growing, expanding, and increasing. You see, there's no real need to hide behind our walls for protection because our security is in Jesus Christ. It's not in the walls we build. And we all build walls, right? We've been hurt. We're never going to get hurt there again. We build a wall. Somebody... When against us, we build a wall against them. We've been through hurt and devastation. We build a wall. And we think if we build these walls, we'll never get hurt again. We'll be safe. But the reality is the walls don't always work. Talk to Jericho. Their walls, they could race chariots on the top of their walls. And they came tumbling down. We need to trust in Christ. Our security is in the Lord. And so the prophet Zechariah said that Jerusalem would no longer even need walls. And it was for this reason. The Lord would be a wall of fire around Jerusalem. We no longer need walls because number three, the Lord will be a wall of fire for us. These walls have to come down. And we feel like, well, we won't be safe anymore. We won't be secure. But remember, God is the wall of fire around you. Now, when I was meditating on this passage and, and thinking of the walls of fire, the first thing I thought of was Elisha. The king of Aram was at war with Israel, and his army had surrounded the city of Dothan where Elisha was staying. Because the king of Aram was trying to attack Israel, but every time he tried... God would tell Elisha where he was going to attack. And so Elisha would tell the king of Israel and the king of Aram would be frustrated. Finally, he said, somebody tell me, why does he, why does Israel keep seeing our attacks coming? And they said, there's this prophet, this wild and crazy prophet, and he knows what the king is saying in his bedroom. And so he goes, I want to kill that man. Now, if he knows what you are saying in your bedroom, then you might not want to mess with him. But he did. And so Aram, the king of Aram, sent an army to Dothan where Elisha and his servant was. And his servant, Elisha had a lot of faith, but his servant didn't. He was a scaredy cat. We see in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, "O oh, Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Reason we don't need to hide behind our walls is because there are more with us than against us. If God be for us, who can be against us? And we need to ask the Lord to open our eyes. There's some things we don't see, we don't understand, we don't comprehend. If we could only see in the spirit realm, don't you know things would be different? The battles that are going on in the heavenlies for us, the war that's taking place in the spirit. If we could only have our eyes opened, but God has given us faith, And we may not physically see the Lord's horses and chariots of fire all around us, but they are there in the Spirit. You know, God always outnumbers Satan. There are always more with us than there are against us. Satan deceived one-third of the angels. If my math is correct, God still has two-thirds left. Is my math correct? Teachers out there, thank you. And so that's, two-thirds is more than one-third. Two-thirds is more than one-half, although now we're getting into fractions. i got to get out of here. (laughs) You see, the walls don't always work that we put up to try to protect ourselves. But we have the Lord's horses and chariots of fire. Not only would the Lord be a wall of fire around Jerusalem, he would be the glory within Jerusalem. We get a glimpse of this glory in Revelation again, 21, 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp, and the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Don't you see the glory? The glory of heaven. The glory that Benjamin is witnessing right now, the glory of heaven. That we long for. There's something about the glory. What is the, what is the glory of the Lord so significant? This is why. Number four, the Lord's glory will transform us. We need to see the glory of the Lord evident in our lives. There is something so special about God's glory. We see this in 2 Corinthians 3.13 and 18. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. In verse 18, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Why do we need The glory of the Lord because it transforms us. It changes us into his image. We are to reflect God's glory. We have no glory in ourselves. We we have no glory. All we can do is reflect God's glory. And that glory will change us. By his glory, we are being changed and transformed into God's likeness. We go from glory to ever-increasing glory glory you know the glory of the lord is mysterious it means a weightiness or a heaviness a a unique beauty it's it's a it's a hard word to define and yet it's all throughout the old and new testament the glory of the lord the glory of the lord and when moses was on the mountain with god he asked god show me your glory and god says are you sure because it could kill you Moses says, yeah, I'll take that chance. Show me your glory. I believe that's what we should cry to the Lord as well. God, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, show me your glory. We're going to take communion at this time. And the Bible says before we take communion, we are to examine our hearts we are to look inside and we we are to say Lord is there anything there that, that you want to work on get your tape measure out God I'm willing to allow you to work on my heart my soul do you need restoration or healing of any brokenness in your life are you hiding behind walls of your own making you've erected walls for your own protection but it's not working Do you trust the Lord will be a wall of fire around you? Then ask the Lord to open your eyes. Will you allow the Lord's glory to transform you? Say to the Lord, show me your glory. So as Nathan leads us in song, let's search our hearts in these areas.
2: The Lamb of God in my place, Your blood poured out, my sin erased. Here was my day
1: Take the bread. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your body was broken so that we could be healed. You took upon all the sins of the world. You took upon our diseases. You took upon everything, Lord. And God, we are so grateful for sending your Son The bread of life and we are we want to give you all the praise lord let's do your name in jesus name we pray amen would you take the bread then he took the cup gave thanks and offered it to them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the covenant Which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood. And that blood forgives all our sins. Lord, we are washed new. We are are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, Lord. And while that sounds graphic, And it's difficult for some to understand. We know, Lord, it's true that Jesus was that final sacrifice, that final lamb. He died for our sins to set us free. He died to give us heaven. So, Lord, we we receive that. And as we drink this, we remember your coming again. You will come again in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you partake? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you. You're free to go.
0: Thank you for tuning in today. We are so excited that you joined us. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word born again, all one word, to 94090. By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California. At 4901 California Avenue, we would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.